It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back next week. Producer Jeff Forte off today. Producer Braden Uosco in. We didn't even know Forte was off today. The sneaky, sneaky man. Sneaky Pete. I don't know who Sneaky Pete was, but that is... uh... Well, there was a sneaky... Oh, no, wait. What was the... There was a character named Pete in Breaking Bad, wasn't there? Was it Sneaky Pete or Stinky Pete? Oh, boy, you got me on the Breaking yeah, Bad trivia. I like, yeah. Somebody I, will know. I'm just wondering where that Sneaky Pete uh, terminology came from. And then there was a TV uh, show called Sneaky Pete, okay. eventually. Yeah, 2015 and 2019. Yeah. Well, of course, the couch potato knows that. <laughs> what are we doing on the couch potatoes today? What, what are we going to learn about? Ah, the couch potatoes at 735. I will give you a quick and spoiler-free review of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, the podcast is available now at cjob.com for the full review from both Jeff and I, but I'll give you the quick one at 7.35, and then we'll tell you who the latest winner of Couch Poll Tatoes is. So that's going to be one of the lighter things. We've got lots of fun things to discuss today, but also a lot of serious things because, like, I was talking to somebody yesterday. They said, what's in the news today? I'm like, well, we've got this uh, situation where the protesters visited that guy's house. Uh, the latest on the injunction, the port strike is over tentatively, but the actors went on strike. There's a tornado in Ottawa. Like, uh, there was a lot that happened after we got off the air yesterday. And of course, uh, the revelations from court that Kelsey McKay, the, the former high school football coach, uh, pleaded guilty to several charges and will will not face trial, has uh, forgone a trial. So, yeah, the the list of things that we are going to discuss today and, and share with you is lengthy. I suspect the length of, of the list of things that we're not going to get around to might be just as long. Yeah, and uh, also today, is the it's been a month since the bus crash that uh, killed several seniors uh, who were from Dauphin who were on their way to a casino with that crash outside of Carberry. So at 8.05, we are going to have a visit with Dauphin Mayor David Boziak, with whom uh, this radio station spoke to uh, at length uh, over the, the, day, the immediate days after that event. And we just want to check in and see how is the community doing? Because sometimes with... A, with our, it's the news cycle, right? We, there's a big, something big happens. We cover it at length for a few days, and then we move on to something else. And we need to remember that we can't. It's not a. It's not just a news story for a couple of days. This is something that's going to affect that community forever. Well put, Brett. Unfortunately, what happens is one tragedy is replaced by another. Yeah. And so it's not out of uh, anything other than necessity at times that we move on to the next story because there is always another story. Uh, but we, we do want to go and check in on the folks up in Dauphin and find out how they're, they're making out and how they're coping uh, with the aftermath of this uh, tragedy that impacted and, and had the eyes of really of the world on it, on this uh, city in uh, western Manitoba. So those are some of the serious things we will be discussing on the lighter front. We mentioned the couch potatoes and Mission Impossible. And then on the subject of movies, yesterday we were we were speaking with Kyle Irving, who is uh, the owner and producer at Eagle Vision. And he, we were talking about the potential impact of an actor's strike. And now the actors have gone on strike. But he uh, talked about the benefit of, of just seeing Winnipeg on the screen. If a movie or television show is shot in Winnipeg, 
to see that on the screen, it, it brings a sense of pride, I think, to this community. And I talked about the movie Nobody, which is in the top 10 in Netflix, Bob Odenkirk movie that was shot here and how cool it was to see them park their car on Main Street and at Bannatine and walk across the street into 441 Main. And then one of our listeners said, hey, they shot that. They shot that movie in our house. Yeah, so we will visit uh, with the folks who had uh, part of the movie Nobody Shot in Their House. They obviously got to meet Bob Odenkirk, find out, uh, you know, is he really as awesome as uh, most of us believe that he is. I'm a huge Better Call Saul fan, so I'm really looking forward to connecting uh, with uh, Karen and Frank Barbero later on this morning. And I'm, I'm excited, too, because I was trying to figure out where in the city that was because I, I I couldn't didn't recognize figure, it. I couldn't figure it out either, Brett, which neighborhood it was. Yeah, it looks like it might just be like uh, it's a suburb that I've just never visited. You know, one of those sort of pocket suburbs that usually I can tell. Yeah, usually I can pull the OK. OK, there's uh, one of the Hallmark movies that they actually shot in uh, Dustin Bufflin, Dustin and Emily Bufflin's previous home. In, in Sage Creek. Okay. Uh, and I only know that because uh, Emily Bufflin talked about it on her Instagram. Ah. And it, but oh, what a spectacular house. If you didn't know, it's one of those things. Like if you didn't know it was in Winnipeg, you'd be going, wow, that is uh, something else. I wonder where they filmed that. So lots of those things as well in the Winnipeg shot films. So when you can't figure it out, whew, there's some spectacular scenery and spectacular architecture offices, right? The the interior shots. It's like, whoa, I wonder where they did that. Yeah. Because that looks very New York or very Chicago. Yeah. So that's coming up at 835. Excited to hear from her. And then Friday means our weekly Gab with Gabby. Gabrielle Marchand from Global News Morning will join us at 905. And then at 935, and I knew as, as soon as I saw this announcement, I thought, Oh, how excited is G-Mac right now? <laughs> November 25th, Duke is coming back to town, so we'll visit with our friend, our good friend Brent Fitz. Uh, he's the unofficial mayor of Winnipeg, outside of Winnipeg. He's uh, one of the best ambassadors for our city. We'll talk about his uh, music career, some of the things that are going on for him right now. And I'm going to find out if I, if we can spill the beans on something else that he's been up to. Very exciting over the last several weeks. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb back next week. We want to talk right now about something rather odd I learned last week. This story moved last Friday and just been kind of holding on to it. But this is out of Colfax, Iowa. An Iowa man may well be on his way to an official world record for pencils. Aaron Bartholomew of Colfax has been collecting wooden advertising pencils since he was a child. He now claims to have more than 70,000 substantially more than the Guinness World Record for the largest pencil collection at 24,000. Last weekend, two counters from the, the American Pencil Collectors Society were at the Colfax Historical Society to count the pencils. Uh, so at last word, he was still waiting to hear if the count had been approved, but whatever. The, the, the thing that struck me the most is that there is an American Pencil Collectors Society. <laughs> Like a, a few weird clubs, like a few months back, we had a great conversation with a group out of Italy, I think, a cheese consortium. Apparently, there's some sort of a hot dog council. I know Loren wants to do something <laughs> yeah, with that. True. Um, so the question is, 
A, what's a, the weirdest organization or club that you've heard of? Or even more fun, I think, were you part of a club as a kid? Like a secret club, maybe at a tree house or something. Or maybe you're in a group of friends right now that you refer to as a club. Like, uh, I got a group of friends, We we for years now, we refer to ourselves as the Transcona Rum Council. So, 204-780-6868. One of my best friends that does dungeon and, Dungeons and Dragons, I think it's every other Friday or once one Friday a month, and they just... They do. What, what are you doing tonight? Do you want to get to? Oh no, I'm nerding out tonight. And these guys have been playing for for years, Dungeons and Dragons together. They're from your neck of the woods too. There, Boitrous. So. Uh, no association. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a story for a chance to win tickets for next week's bomber game. We'll pick a winner at nine fifteen. So let's let's start with uh, Sarah McCarthy in the news booth. Yeah, I was never really part of a club per se, but this is something I did that I've found that there are plenty of clubs for. So if I had kept them, I guess I may have joined one, but and just wherever I went, if I saw like on road trips, always collect like rocks. Like for what though? Just to look at, like, admire, just like little stones, rocks. Like from a beach or yeah, whatever? Yeah, from a beach, oh, okay. wherever we were stopping. So, but there's plenty of those clubs in Canada just from a quick Google search. So, like rock collectors? Yeah. Yes. Just minerals. I don't know. But yeah, I don't have any of them <laughs> anymore. I think we just threw them in our driveway, to be honest. So. I, I Just on the rock collecting side, I, never, yeah. I didn't collect them, but I, if I ever saw a good rock for skipping. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I love doing that Hang too. on to it just mm-hmm. in case. I, I grabbed the best skipping rock I ever had. And I still have it. <laughs> Uh, Because I can't, I just couldn't bring myself. It was flat. It was perfect. It was about, why you can't see this over the air, but it's like, it was about like the size of a palm of a hand. It was perfect. Oh. Mm. So you went and got it back. It was too good. I couldn't skip it. Oh, you never did. I had a potash rock on my (laughs) nightstand for about 15 years of my life. My dad did some work in, in Saskatchewan and one of his... One of his clients was in Esther Hazy, Saskatchewan, and he brought home these potash rocks for me and my brother. They were beautiful. And I hauled that thing around, displayed it very proudly on my nightstand wherever my, we lived. My, yeah. my mom yeah. was born in I don't in, think uh, I have that anymore. Yeah, my mom was born in Esther Hazy. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, because uh, were, my grandpa was working at the, at the potash mine. There you the go. Time, yeah. There you go. So look at that, Sarah. The rock okay. clubs are cool. They're alive and well. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brayden Uasco in uh, Master Control filling in for Fortier today. What about you, secret clubs? Yeah, never like a club, but we in like middle school, we'd have like whatever month you're born in, you guys like hung out at lunch like once a week. Oh, wow. And you just did whatever. Well, that's kind of neat. From yeah. like you could be in grade eight or you could be in kindergarten and you all just hung out in one room. Really? Oh. Yeah. Very weird. But And then you played uh, with that team, I guess, in like floor hockey tournaments. Okay. So that's how you made like your house leagues and stuff for intramurals and stuff. Yeah. Ah, that's a neat way to did do it, it. And how did it go? Well, the lunches were a little weird. but. <laughs> <laughs> and they had, did they do this all the way through? Yeah, right up until grade eight. I, I left grade seven, but yeah, they were still doing it. But I'm that's not neat. sure if they still are. But So when, uh, what was weirder when you were... Little or when you were in grade seven? In grade seven, because then it was like, you're the oldest, but then like yeah. there wasn't too many August babies, I guess. So it was like a bunch of kindergartners with me. Oh. And I'm like, you just end up being the supervisor. So you're, you're, like you're more pepper. like a babysitter. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, Poitras, what about you? Well, I, I got this kind of interesting story. I went to a, it was a, it was a summer camp one year. Um, and it was kind of like this all boys thing. It was out in in sort of like a, a, a wooded area, 
I don't know, I guess a rural area or something like that. And it was, there was a lot of um, English involved in it. And there was like an, a whole entire, uh, we go through classes and, and all this stuff. And it was, it was really was a lot of fun. And there was this one teacher, Mr. Keating. And I remember him. He's stuck in my mind this whole entire time. He's really an unorthodox teacher. He was all about uh, seize the day. And uh, even one time we were reading these these poetry books. And uh, he made me, he made us all just rip out the front page of the of the introduction of the poetry books in like uh, defiance of this person trying to define what, what poetry was and what poetry meant. And he kind of forces us to look at life differently. And I remember one time he, he kind of sent us out in, into this cave out in the, in the forest uh, where we'd go out there and, and read poetry and, and see his life. You know, it was, it was really interesting. And, you know, we, we called ourselves the dead poet society. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. There you go. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Mackling, what about you? <laughs> I can't tell if you just made that up or if it's an actual thing. It was the Dead Poet Society. Yeah. All right, all right. It was our secret club. If you say so. Out in the cave in the woods. Where we <laughs> which, woods which cave? I want, I want, I want, I want yeah, Robin Williams was uh, really interesting to get to know in real life. There we go. There it is. What about you, Mackling? <laughs> I come by my affection uh, for collecting very honestly. Uh, my grandfather collected a lot of stuff, including shaving mugs. When he passed away, he had dozens and dozens. Cam, I think you have one I, of those. I, I use it once a week. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, and I collect all sorts of different stuff. But my dad, when I was a kid, was something called a brewer anist, a brewery anist club. Can you guess what brewer anists collect? Anything associated with the breweries and beer. So my dad had hundreds of unique beer bottles. And so all the labels, he had shelves in this one place in, in our house and he displayed all these beer bottles. I, I'm talking two, three, four hundred wow. different beer bottles. And he would collect the signs and the, and the, and the wooden cases on it, like fascinating, incredible stuff. And I'll never forget being out at a garage sale looking for some of this stuff one Saturday morning in Brandon. And I spotted this, I would have been about an 18 inch plastic beer bottle and i said hey dad you get one of those you put all your beer bottle money in that and he just kind of hung his head turned around grabbed me and my brother we gotta go Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off today. What's a secret club that you're a part of or a friend club or maybe something when you were kids? Did you have a tree house or somewhere you used to go and hide with your pals? Or maybe you're part of like a genuine society of some sort. 204-780-6868. Tell us a story for a chance to win bomber tickets for next week. Uliana with a reminder. Brett, Greg, the first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. I got to watch that movie again. One of my buddy's favorite movies, and uh, he's watched it, I don't know how many times, and I've watched it twice, and I just, I don't get it. Oh, See, thank it, goodness. It, it escalates. It's so It gets so bizarro, and I just, I kind of go, I don't really understand how we got from Fight Club to blowing up buildings. <laughs> thank goodness. I thought I was the only one that didn't get that movie. Okay. All right, good. From a first-time texter, when we were about nine years old, we called ourselves <laughs> the 8 o'clock Acorn Patrol. On fall days, we would assemble at 8, 
line our pockets with acorns, and go looking for victims. My word. To this day, I still feel sorry for the poor bus drivers who would be pelted with acorns as soon as they opened the bus doors for us. Were you allowed on the bus after that? That's my question. How did that go for you? The eight o'clock acorn patrol. I love it. <laughs> sounds like sounds like Saturday morning cartoons. Like you could have you could have named that after a cartoon show or something. That's really good. What does Will say? <laughs> the, the WTF miniature painting group. Now WTF means something other than what you're usually using it for. We met at the Central Bar Wednesday nights and ate at Will's Tasty Food. That's where the WTF comes from, painting minifigures and playing games. Thanks, Will. Will's Tasty Food is uh, in T-Cones. It's located at 201 Melrose Avenue East. And I did not know. Oh, pardon me. It's closed. But it was, uh, so it was at 201 Melrose East. It looks like, uh, yeah, that would have been, I guess, part of the... uh, or next to the central. So that's cool though. That's a, that's great. So uh, we're getting lots of neat stuff here. As always, when we put these things out, we never, we're never sure how it's going to go, but tell us a story for a chance to win bomber tickets. We'll pick a winner at nine 15. Also heads up. We do have some bony M tickets to give away uh, just after eight 45. And as part of the couch potatoes assembly in our next segment, our next half hour, we have a tickets and treats voucher for landmark cinemas for Grant park to give away as well. Montreal Expo is on your head, by the way. That's a lovely hat. Thank you. I wore it just for you today. Is that a Vogue hat, the local company, Vogue? It is, yeah. Pedro Martinez logo on there. Some of the uh, proceeds went to the Pedro Martinez Foundation. I wore this just for you because we're we're doing something we haven't done yet this year together. That's right. And swing the swing the sticks today. Heading out golfing together. Mackling and McGarry for the first time of 2023. Beware. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Four! That's preemptive. Like <laughs> Just calling it. <laughs> calling it now. <laughs> the peasants shall arrive and call four many times. Why don't we just get right into this? Uh, Producer Braden, did uh, Forte fill you in that you have to bring us in for this segment with cheesy or interesting music or no? No, he did not, no. Oh, okay. So that means you forgot your recorder or your harmonica, your accordion, your your musical instrument of choice at home? Yeah, well, usually I bring it with me anyway, but... (laughs) You never know when you need to, to break out a recorder and break into song. Or a loot, perhaps bring a loot next time, and then you can uh, you can uh, regale us with uh, some sort of crooning. Well, in the meantime, couch potatoes time. It used to be both couch potatoes, but Jeff Braun works a different shift now. So we got to tell you what's new at the movies, and tell you who this week's winner is for couch potatoes. This week, I've got a spoiler-free review for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Audiences and critics can't believe what they're seeing. Listen to me. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Tom Cruise has outdone himself with a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes! 
This movie actually opened up on Monday night as they seek to take advantage of IMAX screenings before Oppenheimer opens next week and takes over. It's the seventh movie in the franchise, which first debuted in 1996. And Tom Cruise, now 61, is still right there in the middle of all the action, and the action is wild. And as is the case with these movies, there's an existential threat that could potentially destroy the world, so the impossible mission force has to stop it. None of our lives can matter more than this mission. I don't accept that. Returning cast members include Ving Rames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, and Vanessa Kirby. And some of the new additions include Haley Atwell and Palm Clementif, both of whom you might know from the MCU. Atwell was Peggy Carter, Clementif was Mantis. Atwell in particular was a wonderful addition to the cast. Is this where we run? Go, 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 go! Probably. But the real star is the action and the stunts. Crazy car chase in Rome. Tom Cruise running. And Tom Cruise riding a motorcycle off a cliff. The action in this movie is bonkers, and it is a super entertaining film. The plot is a little thin at times, and it's just too long. But overall, it's great. Four couch cushions out of five for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Part 2 is tentatively set for release next June. His fate is written. Shall we write yours, too? If anything happens to them, there's no place that I won't go to kill you. That is written. I say tentatively set for next June because who knows now with the actors uh, now on strike along with the writers. Good point, Brett. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the seventh Mission Impossible film, but the first of two Movies that essentially, if you watch them back to back, the idea is that it would be one long film. Yeah, they, they, it's it's because it's going to be the final installment in the series, as far as I understand, unless Tom Cruise decides to do more. But that's become sort of this common thing where the the last movie is broken into two, like Fast X uh, was the the first part, and that movie apparently ends on a cliffhanger, whereas this one tells a complete story, but it sets very clearly as only half. Of the story. So I want to make sure this is not a spoiler. There's a there's a stunt that in the lead up to the release of this film was all over social media, was all over the media, involving a motorcycle and a parachute. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. It's, it's very prominently featured in all the marketing. Okay. So I was with my brother-in-law the other day. He says, do you know how many times Tom Cruise did that stunt? Yeah. I said, well, I know he did it at least twice mm-hmm. because they were talking about the fact that he wanted to perfect this thing and and so the the video that was was running around social media showed him doing twice well he did it six times yep Rode this motorcycle over the edge, and it's not just a cliff. I mean, this is a, a high mount. Like, it's insanity what he's attempted. But what's even more impressive, maybe, is the amount of work that he did in order to get ready to do that stunt. Apparently, he did 13,000 practice bike jumps over the course of three years and 500 skydives. Yeah. Unbelievable. He's a machine. There's a there's a great featurette on YouTube about that scene because even though in the movie and you can see it in the cliff or in the commercials where he he's riding the bike off a cliff but in real life he's actually run, riding it off of a ramp they built this huge ramp on the edge of the cliff right which it is almost scarier because if he goes off the side like if he slips or, or, or something goes wrong and he goes off the side he's dead so, but he, he, instead he's driving off. So they've got, since digitally altered, you know, removed the ramp and put in a landscape. But yeah, for him to do that six times, 
Uh, it's just incredible. Like the guy is is insane, and at he's sixty one years old, and he's still doing all these crazy stunts. And it really does make the experience better because when you can see that it's a stunt person, it's still cool, but it it can take you out of the movie for a moment because you're like, oh, that's. That's a stunt guy. Like uh, in T2, there, I don't know if you remember in Terminator 2, there's a scene where the Terminator rides that motorcycle off the bridge. Sure. Great shot. But you, it's so clearly not Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it, it, there's just that moment where you're like, ah. Whereas in these movies, like when in Rogue Nation, when he's hanging off the side of the plane, that happened for real. He hung on to the side of the plane as it took off. It's dedication to your craft. It's a little bit uh, maybe on the other side of sane, but uh, Tom Cruise, regardless of your views of Tom Cruise, he is uh, one of the top action stars of of all time. And that cliff, I guess, is 1.2 kil- uh, kilometers high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> so the action is great. See it on the biggest screen you can. Uh, I enjoyed it at uh, the Extra Theater at Grand Park, Land- Grand Park uh, Theaters, Landmark Cinemas, and Hey, why don't we announce this week's winner for Couch Pole Tatoes? Because this week's recipient of a Tickets and Treats voucher from Landmark Cinemas is Michael Chung, who has a fabulous email address that includes Big Daddy Bass. Last week's poll was so close, by the way. What a horse race, because we asked. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 opens this week. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to tell us about another one of your go-to spy movies. So in the poll... Dr. No was the winner at 30.4%. Okay. The Born Identity came in second at 30.1%. Which is the correct answer. You like the Born Identity? <laughs> My answer, sorry. <laughs> Austin Powers, International Man in Mystery was third. Spy Kids, fourth. And this week's question, Christopher Nolan's latest Oppenheimer opens July 21st. Up until this point, what has been Nolan's best movie in your opinion? Batman Begins, Inception, Tenet, or Dunkirk? We didn't include The Dark Knight, by the way, because we figured it would be a slam dunk. So we wanted to make it a little more fair. All I know is that Tenet, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I hate it so much. I can tell you this. I don't go to that many movies, but I've got it in my calendar that this movie opens July 21st, and I'm going to be seeing it at my earliest possible opportunity. One of our our promotions managers is considering driving to Regina because they still have like a true IMAX. Like the, like the like we used to have a Portage Place because the IMAX at Polo Park that's like your your standard movie theater IMAX. It's a little mm. bigger, but it's not your full IMAX. So he, he might go to Regina to see this on the full IMAX screen. That's dedication to yeah. uh, to a cause or a dedication to an experience. That's for sure. Couch Potatoes wow. podcast is available at cjob.com, or you can listen to the show on the radio Saturdays at noon, Sundays at noon on six eighty CJOB. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. Have you ever contemplated a Guinness World Record attempt? How about an epic sports trip? How about combining both? British Columbian and BC Lions fan Bobby Dubow did just that. Uh, well, I grew up a uh, BC Lions fan. Um, my family watched the FL. My, my grandma still watches uh, every game. So uh, kind of fell out, uh, like kind of drifted away from it, I guess. I think. It was that maybe after Casey Printer, Dave Dickinson, those years. Um, but I was working uh, on the uh, on Vancouver Island, uh, had uh, the TV on, and uh, was working over the summer and the evening. So uh, 
CFL was on and I figured, Hey, let's, uh, let's give this thing another shot. And, uh, I don't think I've really missed a game since over the last uh, five, five or six years. So Dubot began his record attempt on June 24th at Calgary's McMahon stadium, then took in games at every other CFL stadium before ending his quest at BC play stadium on July 9th, nine CFL games, nine different CFL cities, all in 15 days. Dubo joined us on the Blue Bomber podcast this week, and we had some critical questions for him. Coldest beer. Did you, did you drink beer at all? Uh, yeah, depending on whether I was doing interviews or not, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I tried to lay, lay off the beers, but, uh, uh, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, um, the second game in Winnipeg, I was able to take advantage of those, those $5 pregame beers. So that was good. Um, Saskatchewan had the same kind of deal going on. So anytime you're not paying double digits for a, for a can of, uh, can of domestic, it's, uh, it's good. I don't know who was the coldest. Probably Saskatchewan or Winnipeg. They were they were dishing them out pretty quick, though. Best hot dog. Are you a hot dog guy? Uh, yeah, I actually started with the yard dog. They claim it's 32, which isn't a yard. I think it's closer to, to 27, 28 inches. Okay. The pierogies, were, the pierogies were great on it, but it's definitely not a yard. Uh, the best hot dog I, I had was the green and gold dog in Edmonton. Got mac and cheese and jalapenos, mm. and apparently I was one of the lucky ones that uh, got got it with mac and cheese that wasn't cold. So uh, make sure you ask them to refire it if, uh, if if it's not up to your standards. Who has the nicest uniforms in the CFL? Uh, I really like those Fog uh, BC Lions uniforms. Uh, so I was trying to hoping the team would be able to kind of hook me up with one, but I don't want to be too greedy. But yeah, those Fog uniforms are great. I know the Bombers, those those classics, uh, blue and blue and gold. They're always sharp, but um, I don't know. I I don't. I know people love or, love or hate these fog jerseys, but I really do. Yeah, I really like them. Yeah, I like the color as well. I saw them obviously in person, and uh, yeah, BC. I'll say this reluctantly. I've always loved that BC Lions logo as much as I've hated the Lions over the years at different times. Uh, the logo and their helmets have always been spectacular in my mind. Uh, most comfortable seats? Uh, definitely not Montreal. Probably Winnipeg. I had some pretty good seats in Saskatchewan, but I, I sat in two different sections in Winnipeg, and they were they were pretty nice as well. You're not too crammed in. Definitely a couple stadiums nicer. The more modern ones have have are way more comfortable than these uh, old like McMahon's or Percival Molson's. Best sound system. Regina has a weird kind of acoustic. It sounds more of like a like a bigger stadium, but in terms of noise, it's definitely Winnipeg. Um, it's uh, you can bear like I know you say you have the loudest fans in 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 the league, but you also got that guy telling them to make some noise every couple of plays, which is kind of obnoxious. Okay, so uh, here we go. This is where this is this is where the where the rubber meets the road here. So who does have the loudest fans? You're about to say Saskatchewan, aren't you? <laughs> if you want to know more and in which stadium he says is the loudest, download, subscribe, or listen for the first time to the Blue Bomber podcast available wherever you get your favorite podcast. And in defense of the dog, the yard dog, yes. and I think we went over this, isn't the box a yard, but the dog doesn't quite fill the whole box That's because correct. there's room on either side for French fries. You got that bang on, Brett. So yeah, it's a, it's still gigantic. It will easily feed. How many of us did it feed? Six? Six. And, and I don't know if everybody got through their, their piece of the dog. Yeah. Yeah. It was really delicious. The bombers do hot dogs right.
Where do they, they're the I, wieners they use? I believe it's Winkler Meats. Okay. I can be corrected on that, but you can also at uh, some of the Sobe stores get the actually bomber dogs packaged in, in, in the grocery store. Ah. So take a look for that logo. I keep looking for them and I've, I've never been successful. Sobe's uh, Bird's Hill has them, or at least have had them in the past. It's a little out of the way to go to get hot dogs. Well, just ask me. I get you some. <laughs> Tomorrow marks one month since a bus crash on Highway 1 near Carberry killed 16 people and sent several more to hospital. It was a bus carrying a group of seniors from Dauphin to a casino in Carberry when it drove into the path of a semi-trailer truck. Two people injured in the crash were released from hospital this week. Seven people remain in hospital with one of them in critical care. The mayor of Dauphin is David Boziak. We've been speaking with him off and on for the last month and Mayor Boziak Thank you so much for taking some time with us today. Hey, no problem. Thanks, guys. A month later, how is your community doing? I know Dauphin Country Fest has come and gone. Was there some healing there for certain aspects and certain members of your community over the July long weekend? You know, I think I think um, an event like Country Fest helped. Uh, so did the Dauphin Fair, which was the same weekend. And then just this past week, uh, Dauphin also celebrated its 125th birthday. So we had a couple of celebrations, uh, one at our historic CN station and the other the other at the Fort Dauphin Museum. And um, all of those kinds of events have helped, as does uh, the word uh, that's leaking out as people get released from the hospital. So those are all positive signs. And I think the community is starting to, uh, you know, move past this thing. They'll never forget it, but they're certainly uh, getting into what I would call um, more regular summer activities now that a month has gone by. How are you doing personally? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just getting over a cold. And so that's, uh, I think that was just a bit of a, you know, the adrenaline rush for a couple of weeks and then you have the big letdown. Um, and uh, I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. I think that, you know, the community has uh, come together really well and, and uh, we're, we're doing all right. So it's, uh, it's been hard. It's going to be different for us for sure, forever now. But um, we're doing okay. The mayor of da- Dauphin is David Boziak. He's our guest on the start. And David, uh, have there been many formal events for community to come together? Or do you suspect people are coming together in, in smaller groups informally and, and healing that way? Yeah, that seems to be the, the majority of the way things are going. Oh, we may have just lost the mayor. Oh, sorry. There you are. We, sorry, we just lo- we lost you for a, a moment there, but uh, please continue, Mr. Mayor. Yeah. Uh, so when we opened our community center, we didn't get the, the kind of uh, attention there that we thought we might. And so we found that people were getting the supports on their own, and that continues. Uh, tomorrow, I believe, is the last funeral that we're aware of. And um, I think that's going to be another turning point for us is the, the flag, the city hall have been at half mass since the accident. And um, after tomorrow's funeral, they'll be going back up. So those are all small little signs of how things are going in the community. But as you indicated, most of it, all our family is better. 
David, we're having trouble with our, our connection. I think maybe, Brett, do you want to just press pause here? Maybe we can see we can just reconnect with, with uh, Mayor Boziak because he's got some terrific things to say, and we obviously want to be able to hear what he has to say. Uh, Producer Braden Uwasco is just checking offline uh, to see if the connection uh, can be sort of restored. Technology, once again, frustrating indeed. You can make a phone call to somebody in South Africa who is on their cell phone and get better connections than you can get in Manitoba sometimes. So a little behind there, but uh, I'm optimistic at what I'm hearing from the mayor thus far uh, to know that uh, that the Country Fest helped because I was wondering when Dauphin's Country Fest was coming up just a couple of weeks after that happened. And I know that they took some time during the Country Fest to, to mark uh, what happened, but uh, I was wondering, would that be, would it be good to to have that? And it sounds like it was a positive thing to carry on with that festival. You know, you don't like to assume anything when it comes to events like this. Mayor Boziak, are you back? About that, uh, bad cell coverage where I am. Where yeah, I'm you know what? The, Brett just made the point uh, while you were away from us that we've had, uh, we typically have cleaner connections to parts in, in, in Africa with guests yeah. than we do in Manitoba sometimes, but that's a topic for, of discussion for another day. So as we move forward and as your community starts to move forward, uh, Mayor Boziak, what, what do you think, what do you think the, the, the fallout's going to be. I wanted to ask you about that 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 the bus that was obviously destroyed in that crash. And I've got experiences in small towns. Those uh, people movers, they're they're really critical in terms of the quality of life for folks in in towns and and cities the size of Dauphin. Is is that vehicle going to be replaced at some point? Um, you know, we don't know for sure. That's a, a private enterprise. We still have our handy van service, which is um, um, a much more subsidized program. Um, but uh, we we hope that that, that business continues and pr- keep, continues to provide its service. I know that we've had people chatting about, uh, you know, I was in a co-op store yesterday, and you know, people were indicating um, that they were happy that they're hearing that people in the accident were getting out of the hospital. But you're right; this is going to affect us for a long time, and and people continue to talk about it and be affected by it. Mayor of Dauphin is David Boziak. Thank you very much for joining us this morning, sir. We really appreciate it. Great. Thanks, guys. Once again, tomorrow marks one month since that crash killed 16 people and sent several more to hospital. Reminder that a question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. The first over-the-counter birth control pill was approved in the U.S. yesterday. Should Canada do the same? And at cjob.com, we've got 80% who say yes, 20% say no. You can still cast your vote on that at cjob.com, but we'll get a new question up soon uh, as we make our way through the morning. And right now we want to discuss sort of follow up on something that we discussed yesterday. As Kyle Irving of Eagle Vision Productions told us yesterday, filmmaking is a $300 million industry in our province. And one of the top movies on Netflix right now was made in our city. So they took maybe 20 bucks and an old watch. Mr. Madsen, did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Heard you had some excitement last night. 
I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You okay? Because you don't look okay. That movie is Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul fame, where he played a sleazebag lawyer. Well, in Nobody, he played a former assassin who's just trying to leave, live a quiet, happy life, but he gets pulled back into it, and it's kind of like an action comedy, sort of, and it's really cool to see the streets of Winnipeg uh, featured in that film. And there are several films, of course, that have been made, Hollywood productions, Oscar winners, Capote comes to mind, so many films made in our city over the years. And the first one I remember was one starring Molly Ringwald. Don't ask me what the name of that film is, but I can remember going to River Heights around Kelvin High School when the streets were shut down, a late night shoot to try and catch a glimpse of Molly Ringwald of the Breakfast Club fame. For keeps. Back at the, is that what it was called? Apparently. Okay. <laughs> Very uh, critically acclaimed film, as I understand it. But our conversation yesterday prompted a text message from our next guest, Karen Barbero, joins us now. Karen, good morning. Good morning, you guys. How are you? We're doing really well. So what did you tell us in that text message about 23 hours ago? Oh, I told you that that movie was filmed in my cul-de-sac in quiet little White Ridge, um, and it was filmed at my neighbor's house. So we had, uh, that filming went on for about, I don't know, a week uh, in our neighborhood. It was, they were all over our driveway in our garage. It was amazing. We got to meet Bob. It was just fabulous. That is simply fantastic. Well, what, a, what an incredible experience. So did you all have to move out of the neighborhood for a couple of days? Tell us how that went and, and how did you find out this was going to be happening? How far ahead of time? Well, our neighbors who actually, they, the house that his character lived in was right next door. So they actually told us about it in the summer. Everybody in our cul-de-sac had to sign off on agreeing to be disrupted for about a week. Uh, we were given the option to move out. We didn't want to because we wanted to stay around and, you know, see what was going on. And I'm glad we did. It was a little annoying at times because we had these giant lights all over our yard, you know, simulating moonlight and all that other stuff. Um, but we we stuck around and watched it all. In fact, we were able to uh, go into the viewing tent that they had in our front yard while they were filming some of the scenes right in the middle of the cul-de-sac and we were able to watch how they would film it and then you know bob would have to walk back and do it again and just all the behind the scenes stuff they treated us amazingly it was great so how much of the how much was your property featured in the filming of it well not much because it was filmed from our property's vantage point so they were all filming from our front yard. Um, there's a couple of scenes where, um, without giving away too much of the movie, where Bob's running his garbage can down the driveway. And in the background, that's when you can see our house. And unfortunately, at one point, you could see all four of my family members sticking our heads out the window because <laughs> we were watching the filming. Okay. And then, so they stopped and then they had to go and do it again. And then next thing you know, we see somebody walking across the lawn to our front door and we're like, oh, crap, what did we do? So they told us, we can see you guys in the window. You're going to have to duck down. <laughs> so we felt like a, a couple of losers at that point. But 
So yeah, it wasn't filmed in like our house isn't in the movie a lot. It's our next door neighbor's house, but they the all the production and camping out was done pretty much in our front yard. And it was during that remember that bad um Thanksgiving weekend blizzard we had in yes. 2019. Well, that happened in between the two sets of filming. So they filmed like the Wednesday, Thursday of that week. And then they had the weekend off. And then that's when that snowstorm came. So when they came back the following week for continuity, they had to move all the snow out <sighs> of our cul-de-sac. So that was great. They, they moved it all down, uh, down the street. They took it all off our front lawn. Um, it was, it was pretty cool. What an exercise in order to, like you say, make sure that each scene looks like another, you know, and, and the idea that sometimes they have to go back and film a scene or they're planning to film these scenes out of order. So everything has to look similar. I I guess they've learned a a little bit of a lesson about Winnipeg weather there. What's the, what's the feedback? What was the feedback of the general sense on set? Because I imagine that you, you got to hear and overhear the, the converse, some of the conversations and, and how people were getting along with not only one another, but the environment itself. You know, it didn't seem to phase anybody. Like, it was just kind of like, well, it's Winnipeg, it's fall, we don't know what can happen. Um, everybody seemed so casual. Like, we met everybody. We met the director. She came over and shook our hand and introduced herself and thanked us for allowing uh, the disruption, like we couldn't even park in our neighborhood. We had to park, you know, a couple blocks away. Um, and we were like, are you kidding? This is great. Like you can, we absolutely love this. And then at one point, which is what I was waiting for the whole time, she goes, what, do any of you guys want to meet Bob? And I was like basically running at that point because I'm a huge Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul fan. So we were able to meet him and he was just the best. We chatted with him for about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes until they called him back to set. And again, without giving away the movie, I kind of want I would have loved to have taken a picture with him, but his face was pretty bashed in. <laughs> so he was like, I hope you don't mind. I don't want to have any pictures right now because he's, you know, this is the scene where one of his, where his character is getting a little beat up, but yeah, it was great. And when we finally got to watch the movie, it was amazing. And we didn't see us in the window, so they didn't film that part of it. <laughs> and there's a scene near the beginning of the movie, I think, where he's out jogging in the neighborhood. Yeah. Was that your neighborhood as well? It was, yeah. We were told that he was going to be jogging through White Ridge Park, and that's what uh, what he did. Now, you mentioned that you're a big fan of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. So they're two, well, they're, they're the same world, two completely different shows. Do you have, which one do you prefer? Oh, that's a tough one. Or, 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 if, if you different. Can... I, I loved Breaking Bad so much. Um, I didn't get into Better Call Saul right away, but when I did, I, I watched it and loved it. And kind of, it was such a difficult show from, for, for the end. Like when I watched Breaking Bad, I didn't watch it till after it came out on Netflix. So that was a bit different. Better Call Saul, I was waiting for it every single week. Whereas Breaking Bad, I think I binged it in like a two week period. So I, I think they're very different. I think I'd have to go Breaking Bad. Ooh, I thought you were going Better Call Saul there, and I was going to applaud you for your choice. Not because, well, not because, like you say, one is better than the other. It's just I just love Saul so much. I do. I do, too. You know what? I'll be honest with you. I love Jimmy. 
I don't know that I like Saul as much, but I like I like Jimmy McGill, the character, better. Well said, Karen. Yeah. Well said. I just got a text message from someone in my circle who says uh, the the that the team that did this film, Nobody, was the team that did the John Wick films. We built the house on the soundstage on Pacific Avenue. And uh, my friend says, fun fact, one of the most use of ammunition of any film in my career working in the film. So I was going to ask you about that. Did you recognize the interior of your neighbor's house? But did they, did they just shoot the exteriors? It sounds like it they shot the, the interiors ex- on the soundstage. Yeah, it's just the exterior. Uh, the interior was done. They filled they filled us in on all of this, how it was all going to be put together. The interior was filmed in California on a soundstage. And again, there's a bit of, um, I don't know, pyrotechnic thing that goes on in this movie. And that was all simulated afterwards. But what they did when they were filming this one part where there is a bit of a fire is they used orange lighting in the background to simulate what the flickering would look like of a fire. And then they added the, the fire kind of extras afterwards. So like, like I said, when we finally got to watch the movie and the parts that we actually watched live, it was very different. I'll bet. Well, it must have been wild watching a movie be shot right outside your front window. So, Karen Barbero, thanks for telling us about your experience. We appreciate this very much. Oh, no problem. I'm happy to do it. I hope you guys have a great day and a great weekend. You too. And if you haven't seen the movie yet, it really is a fun movie. It's a fun action movie. It's kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say John Wick light, because that almost might have a negative connotation, but it's a lighter hearted film. Like it's still dark. It's still violent, but it's got more comedy. Whereas John wick is deadly serious. Far more. That's probably any film dialogue than what you see in the John wick films. Yes. In particular from the lead character. Odenkirk's quite good, quite engaging. And they're, 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 it's also fun just trying to spot the various Winnipeg landmarks. And even in the car chase, and I'd have to go back and watch it again, but I'm pretty sure in the car chase, like, the continuity in terms of what we know, like as a regular moviegoer who's never been here would have no idea, but from scene to scene, like it, as you're watching this thing happen in front of you, like, okay, they just jumped like five blocks over, but in the shot, it's just one, like it's just a cut to the next shot. Yeah. So uh, white Ridge, right. Is where they film all this. One of our listeners says they shot one of the jogging scenes out in East St. Paul and Pritchard farm right behind their house. Oh, so there you go. Neat. Okay. Now I got to go back and rewatch this movie. It is a lot of fun and you can find that on Netflix. Reminder that we got bomber tickets to give away in our next segment about the clubs that you're a part of. And why don't we start with our next guest, Mr. Greg, uh, because there's a couple of clubs that they uh, can refer to. But first, make the introduction. The face, the voice, the personality of Global News Morning. See Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. on Channel 9, Cable 12. Channel 101 on your Shaw Cable Box in HD, Gabrielle Marchand. The dance moves of Global News Morning. I forgot the the shoulder shimmy. Yeah. (laughs) Those are finger guns happening because you're listening to the radio. You can't see them, but they were happening. (laughs) So today we're talking about clubs that you maybe were a part of as a kid, or maybe uh, you have a group of friends right now that you refer to. That's kind of like a club. You know, you have a name for yourselves. Um, What about you? 
Yeah, I was telling these guys just just now, my sister had this club that I desperately wanted to be a part of, my older sister and her friends. They had a Jonathan Taylor Thomas fan club because he was... He was a little heartthrob. He was like actually a preteen. It's really creepy talking about it now. But when you were seven, he was a big deal. He was in Man of the House and all these movies, JTT. And they would hold these meetings and they would never let me be a part of it. They'd go down into my sister's room in the basement and shut the door. It was very exclusive, this club. And then when my sister, she's a lawyer, she when she was called to the bar, we brought it back. We told her law firm all this dirt on her and they printed off these T-shirts with JTT's face and made big signs. So she goes to court to be called to the bar. It was a whole thing in Alberta ceremony. We're all there. And then we show up with these JTT. <laughs> like, hey, enjoy your super serious career. But remember when you love Jonathan Taylor Thomas. John Mulaney in one of his stand-ups talks about drinking moon juice with President Jonathan Taylor Thomas in 2029. It's a really off the wall, out of nowhere reference. But when you started telling that story, I'm like, oh, I think John Mulaney talks about Jonathan Taylor Thomas becoming president oh of the United God. States. So what a world. What a world indeed. Okay. And uh, what about you? Book clubs? Yes, I did have a book club. Uh, I was part of a book club in Winnipeg, but it never really came to fruition. Like we, we was actually, it really a book club? It was supposed to be a book club, and we all picked out books. And the very first book, which I think, so the book I chose, I didn't even read. A couple of people read it, and I was like, oh, I don't read it, guys. I thought we were just here to hang out. And then it turned into all of us just <laughs> having a lot of alcohol and a lot of snacks. And then eventually we played board games. So really it became a board game club, which I think you'd be into that, right? Wouldn't that be fun? We should start a board game club, Brett. Sure. What kind of board games do you you play like well i would love to get into some of those nerdy ones sorry i shouldn't say that magic okay. we should get into like magic the gathering or dungeons and dragons i don't know how to play any of them but, but don't those take a long time to play like yeah. can you get through the so it'd be like it's we're like gonna every, gather we once, once a week, week. But and we're, we're playing Dungeons play the same and Dragons. Game. Yeah, for like the next 12 years. So commit, man. So get in or get out, Brett. Okay. D&D. We, we had a Trivial Pursuit Club, I remember now, Ooh. in junior high oh, when it first came out. That. I was okay. Yeah. See, that's cool because it makes you smarter. That's great. You have those random facts. Tell us some. Tell us some. <laughs> well, here's the if you're playing the original genius version, uh, Willie Shoemaker is almost always the answer if you get a question about a jockey. In the orange, in the orange cards, he's like one of the most heralded uh, jockeys and successful jockeys of all time. So if it's an old jockey question in the orange cards, always guess Willie Shoemaker. You got a 50-50 chance. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. oh, that's some hot tips. So it's a hot to... tip. Might get you, <laughs> you wow. know, pie one of these days. Facts with Greg Mackling. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> all right. So the book club became, uh, wine club became board game and wine club. So that's fun. Yeah. Now things we know we should do more often, but don't. This was inspired by how on Tuesday night, I remembered I had a dentist appointment on Wednesday afternoon. So I decided to floss Eww. my teeth for the first time and Murder! Potentially a year. And I knew immediately, like, well, here we go. This is going to be carnage. And sure enough, it was a bloodbath. Uh, and I don't know why I don't do it more often, because my teeth do always feel better after I floss. So what's something that you know you should do more often but don't? I also have been negligent about my flossing despite good dental hygiene. I brush my teeth a lot and I did the same thing. Like I was like, I planned it out a week before. I'm such a sociopath. I was like, my dentist appointment is in a week. So if I start flossing on Tuesday ahead of the next Tuesday and I floss once a day, the blood should be gone by then. And it actually worked. So give yourself seven oh. days if you haven't been flossing. Yeah, at least for me, it was okay. But then I admitted to my dentist. I was like, I haven't been flossing. Well, they can tell. Yeah. They, they, they can tell just by how your gum 
gums look, right? Because like you, if you don't floss, your gums start to swell up. And- what? Really? I have swollen gums? Oh, well, a little no. bit. Well, I think they do. How can I even talk about Okay, so a comment and a question. <laughs> you know you're only fooling yourself, ultimately, yes, when you're, when you're doing this. Because the, the dentist, the hygienist doesn't care if you floss or not. That's just their suggestion. And you're making their job easier when you go if you floss every day. And remind me again, what is it that your dad did for a living? He was a dentist. Yeah, that's what I thought. He was a negligent dentist. He was like, you just take care of your own dental hygiene. Here's a toothbrush. Deal with it. <laughs> Learn some responsibility. But yeah, I, you know, cleaning. I think about things that I should really do more often. Cleaning. You know, my mom always tells me to clean my windowsills or like the the vent that your air conditioning comes out of. <laughs> baseboards. Or baseboards. Sometimes I look at my baseboards like when you're sitting on the toilet and you look at the baseboards in your bathroom because they're staring at you in the face. Oh. It is horrifying. Yeah. I actually put it a magic eraser on my shopping list for today just so I can clean my scary bathroom baseboards because I can't stare at them peeing anymore. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over it. Cheers to that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just very quickly here, we talked about stuff you own and you wonder why you're still hanging on to it. It serves no purpose. This was inspired by uh, sports TV personality Gord Miller and his aunt who wanted to return a patio chair she purchased in 1985 and still had the receipt <laughs> awesome. and tried to take it back, but it was a different store. Um, so, yeah, but like, why Why would you still have that receipt? So it's weird. Anything jump to mind for you? Yeah, I have an Nespresso coffee maker that I bought had three coffees with, realized that I hate real coffee. I actually like cream and sugar, and it's still just taking up counter space. So if anybody wants to buy an espresso, hit me up, y'all. <laughs> this turned into me selling things on your show. My apologies. This is like Swap Shop on CJOB 780-6868. We have an espresso machine from Gabby Marchand. Price $59. Or a anybody bottle of bourbon. Will, there we go. We are accepting trades for this particular item. <laughs> Scandalous. Thanks for calling Swap Shop. You're on the air. Gabrielle Marchand is the host and anchor of Global News Morning weekdays, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Global Winnipeg. Gabby, I'm also the new president of the Dungeons and Dragons board game night. So, you know, get on board, Brett. Shouldn't you have like a a different title? Like you're the... uh, uh, bend the knee, Brett. The super. <laughs> I refuse to bend a knee. I, I only bend the knee to the king in the north. <laughs> it is Mackling and McGarry. We got bomber tickets to give away. We are asking you about the clubs that you have been a part of or are maybe a part of now. Like Janice, who says. I'm a mem- one of our runners up here. I'm a member of the Blue Mountain Pottery Club. I have about 350 pieces. The pottery was made in Collingwood, Ontario. It is closed down. There are roughly 175 members in this club around the world. Good skiing, beautiful part of Canada, Collingwood. Beautiful Blue Mountain, yay. Gary J says, here's one I think you guys will like. Grade five and six, elementary school. We didn't really have a name, but let's call it by the location and Water, really wise. The Fit Spaceman Noon Hour After School Rock Club. <laughs> put that on a T-shirt. Where we used to put on shows in the in the, our friend's basement. I would work the door, collecting admission, and manage and announce the shows. It was a great time. Great memories back in those days. The, the Fit Spaceman Noon Hour After School Rock Club. Yes, uh, doing talent shows in the basement. Sure. That's, that sounds like a blast. Good. Right on, Gary. Thanks for that. Uh, Sandy is our runner-up. Sandy says, we have a club on our street called the Kings of the Corner. 
Our house is situated on the corner of our bay, and there are about seven households that are part of the club. We bonfire, the guys play spongy, we have pool parties, hot tub parties, block parties, garage parties, driveway parties, watch the Jets games in one of the houses, heated garage parties, you name it. They say you can pick your friends but not your neighbors, and let me tell you, these are true gems that we hang with. Don't really know why it's called the Kings of the Corner when there are ladies involved, Sandy being one of them, but we'll give the guys this one. This this really came down to throwing darts at the dartboard as to who was going to be the winner, because that is a great text. Yeah. Great club, great community. Sounds like a ton of fun. Let us know what bay it is. Maybe we'll buy a house there one day. Huh. Move there. Be your neighbors. Let's get in on this. But uh, this comes from a street that I did grow up on, and there's a Blue Bomber affiliation here. So, Kathy, you are our winner, and Kathy is, in fact, the president of the Bob Cameron Fan Club. About 10 years ago, this Blue Bomber fan rented a certain little house on Golding Street from legendary punter and all-around great guy Bob Cameron. Some of my friends also rented places from Bob. So the BCFC is a group of Blue Bomber season ticket holders who either rent from Bob or know someone who rented from Bob. We sat in row two on the west side at Canad Inn Stadium and had a Bob Cameron Fan Club banner. We'd unfurl at games after every punt. And at the end of games, we'd homage Bob as he jogged off the field and he'd homage us back. In 2010, the BCFC were in attendance at the gala dinner to celebrate Bob's and uh, celebrate Bob's induction to the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. The only punter in CFL history to have his own fan club. Yay, Bob! There we go. So, Kathy, you are going to the Bomber game on Tuesday. Pardon me, Thursday, July 20th with Edmonton in town. Oh, hey, by the way, sorry, producer uh, Braden in for Jeff. I know you told me this, but who won the Boney M tickets uh, for the show in November? I think it was Gerald was the name. Gerald Gagne. Gerald Gagne. Congratulations to you. GG. GG, double G. And our next guest is coming home Saturday, November 25th. At 8 o'clock, Club Region Event Center with his all-star Canadian band, Took. Brent Fitz, along with Todd Kearns, Shane Galass, and Corey Churko are going to play your favorite Canadian rock and roll like you've never heard it before. Unless, of course, you've seen Took in concert before. Brent Fitz, good morning, my friend. Good morning, gentlemen. I know it's a little... Yeah. (laughs) You you took took the words right out of my mouth. Thanks for joining us uh, at 7.30 in Las Vegas. Have you even had your first coffee yet? Maybe I didn't go to bed yet, gentlemen. (laughs) I did actually go to bed, but uh, I took a late night. I'm not not that... I'm getting older, so my mornings get earlier and my coffee starts. I can... So it wasn't for going out last night, and I did have some friends I had to go see, and... Uh, I would be having probably my second coffee in already, but um, yeah, so I'm a little I'm a little rough this morning, but uh, hey, it's all good. Well, we appreciate you making time here, guys. Doesn't matter. I was out last night, and it's like I don't know, 100 degrees Fahrenheit at midnight. It's crazy here. Well, how do you deal with the heat? And I mean, talk about. I don't. I don't. I'm from Winnipeg, so I'm a cold climate person. And I moved here, and I'm like, wait a minute. I signed up for the opposite uh, temperature. It's just like in the, it's more of an extreme. So I look forward to coming home to Winnipeg. As contrary to everyone else, they're always just like, can't stand this cold weather. I actually love going home to the freezing cold weather just to, to change it up a little bit. 
Now, in terms of being that proud Winnipeg or that proud Manitoban, what are some of the virtues uh, of home that you extol elsewhere about your, your hometown? Oh, potholes. I just love bragging about them. <laughs> okay. Come on, guys. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know what? It's a nightmare down here in Vegas, i got to say, because my, my dad has been down visiting me for the last two or three weeks, and his first comments were, he goes, gosh, the streets are so smooth down here. And there's a lot going on here because the Formula One, the F1 race is coming up in November. Um, so they're doing a lot of construction. So it actually reminds me of Winnipeg here. I'm like, what is going on? I thought I, I was over the potholes and the, and the, you know, it's construction everywhere. But actually, Vegas is pretty torn up. But look, I am the most proudest Winnipegger. Uh, Greg, you know me well, and lots of people in Winnipeg have, uh, have known that. And that's why my band Took exists, which we'll talk about in a second. But it's the celebration of all the things I love um, back home. I mean, I love my sports. I love my bombers. I love my jets. And, uh, and I just love the, I don't know, something about the people. And that's what's great is I go home to connect with all the people. It's the most important thing. I've lived in Vegas, I don't know, almost over 20 years and, uh, and I do love it here. And there is a lot of Winnipeggers that actually live here. When I go home, I really feel like I recharge my batteries just being amongst all my favorite pe- people. And then I, I come, you know, back to all these crazy music things I do and I'm, I'm fully recharged. We'll talk about the fact that Winnipeggers seem to be everywhere, you know, not just in Winnipeg. It's easy to bump into Winnipeggers in Winnipeg, but it also seems to be easy to bump into Winnipeggers basically all over the world, Fitz. Oh, gosh. Like, I have some great stories. Um, one day, touring with Slash, who I've been, you know, around the planet for many, many years, over, I don't know, probably been playing with Slash for 13 years now, and it almost got to be like a contest where... At one point, I remember him saying to me, like, I think we got to Dubai, United Emirates. I'd never been there. He had never been there. And he goes, okay, Fitz, there's no way. There's no way you got somebody in Dubai that's going to meet you and you're going to hang with him. I go, yep, my buddy will be here in 10 minutes picking me up. We're going to go cruise. <laughs> He's like, what? Are you serious? And my buddy did show up. Um, yeah, like it's just Winnipeggers. I don't know. We're very enterprising. We figure out how to you know, be successful in, in Winnipeg and we learn all these great things. I think it's just the, the it's, I call it Normalville. It's a place where you can figure out everything somehow in a, a very blue collar little, you know, prairie town. But yet we have the ability to succeed anywhere in the world. And I'll always prove it to people because I meet so many great people from Winnipeg crushing it, doing things all over the planet. We, we brag about actors and, and, uh, you know, movie people or, or, you know, people in, in industry, like a friend of mine who's from like Shoal Lake helped design and work on the, he was part of the team that built the Raiders football stadium here. Like just, you know, there's one example, but oh yeah, it's uh it's nonstop for me. I'll always run into a Winnipegger in any city at any given moment. And, and, uh, and Slash is just like, are you serious? You got a guy in Dubai? I go, yep, absolutely. Here he is. And away we go. Are you still a monster Winnipeg Jets fan? Of course. And look, look, people have been asking me a million questions like, okay, did you just like defect over to the Vegas Golden Knights? And my whole disclaimer on that is I've always been the proudest, proudest and, you know, long-term Jet fan since I was a little kid. But I love the fact that when the Golden Knights were, everyone said that'll never work. Hockey in the desert. And, you know, I saw it from its inception. I went to all those early games. And I think 
mostly the fact that, especially right now, the high content of Winnipeggers and Manitobans in, inside the whole organization, on the ice, off the ice, management, the TV you know, team that broadcasts, it's like it is, it, it is Winnipeg. I hate to say it, but the Golden Knights are, there's so much Winnipeg on that, you know, so much energy in the team. That uh, that's what I cheer for. I always cheer for Winnipeg. So people that go, well, you just love, you know, the Jets and the Golden Knights, and but it looks like you've been, you know, really on the on the Knights bandwagon. Well, I'm I'm cheerleading the team that was, you know, proudly winning the cup with a bunch of Winnipeggers on it. So that's it. That's it. I, I like the justification there, and you actually, you and I had a discussion about that not that long ago, and and you've sort of brought me to, I won't call it the dark side, because uh, I'm not fully there yet, but I, I was cheering for Vegas in the Stanley Cup final for the very reasons you outlined, Fitzy. So let's just talk a little bit about this. When I say all-star Canadian band, that is Tuke, I mean, you drum... For for Slash, you drum for Gene Simmons. I'm typically used to seeing you behind the drums, except with Tuke. Shane Glass steps behind the drum kit most nights for Tuke. Just how good a drummer is Shane? Oh, he's a drummer's drummer, for sure. I've known Shane since the 80s. You know, all the guys in Tuke, we were all friends back in those club days, earning our stripes in the prairies, playing in bars across Canada. And... uh and the reason the band exists and we celebrate is because it's my favorite band that I never had back when I was, you know, a teenager or in my, my early 20s. You know, all the bands I had were at the time my favorite band, but now I'm in my 50s and I'm playing with my best friends that I loved from back then. And the one thing for me was um, I've been a drummer in all these great bands, but I'm kind of a multi-instrumentalist, really. And uh, I used the excuse of like, well, Tuke was an opportunity to really try. And, and, uh, and for me, it was like, try to get something out of it. That's even a, more of a challenge. So I switched instruments and I switched over to bass and I play keyboards and, but I was always playing those instruments and have, so why not get a better drummer than yourself in Tuke, which is Shane and, uh, and he crushes it. So, so I got an awesome drummer that I can brag about that, that plays in Tuke. And last, uh, last night in Ottawa, as he's been doing for, is it almost two decades, Corey Churko on stage with Shania Twain, not only playing the guitar, he's playing the violin or the fiddle. And he, he's Shania's musical director, is he not? Yeah, 26 years. Moose Jaw Saskatchewan's finest. I mean, it's so great um, that we have Corey in the band. And uh, yeah, he's our... He's our, our superhuman. Um, I was just in Winnipeg. I saw Corey play at the arena with, with uh, Shania. And, and by the way, I, I was back home because I played with Kim Mitchell at the, uh, at the Bomber game out in Regina. Was that like a month ago? So uh, I was back on drums. But uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I stepped in with Kim. And, uh, and I saw Corey play at the arena. I was so proud. And, um, and then, you know, Todd and I have our long history, Todd Kearns, in uh, – touring the planet with slash and um and i mean we've we've literally been assimilated for the last almost 15 years because todd and i both live in vegas todd's from saskatchewan as well and then Corey from moose jaw and shane shane's from innisfail alberta and those two guys live in la so we're the most patriotic canadians you could get you want a patriotic prairie guy move him out of canada and when we live in these you know big bad cities down in the states we're, we're the most proud canadians so we got to put a band together and go up and, and celebrate our, our favorite music. So that's why we come home to Winnipeg. 
and it's really not my band. It's everyone else's band. It's your guys' band, and everyone comes out and has a good time celebrating all that awesome music that we we grew up on. Do you ever listen to the the versions that you have put out of these wonderful songs and think, yeah, we did that better, man? I don't like to say that, but you know who says it is the artists that we, you know, we honor. Kim Mitchell, who I was, you know, just playing with. Like I said, he goes, Brent, you absolutely have covered Go For Soda better than us. And I go, no, I always say it's a coat of new paint on an already great song. It's an updated sonic coat of new paint. So, you know, the the original, you never outdo it. You just honor it. And um, that's really what it is. We're celebrating, putting a, a you know, a, and a lot of the stuff we're very attention to the details within the song. Like we've, love these songs our whole life and we don't change them that much. We don't feel like we have to rewrite and, and make it unfamiliar with people. So they're like, what happened to my, my song that I like? So when you come to see us, you're going to get that song and a whole set list of hit songs, Canadian songs all wrapped into one, you know, in a familiar sounding environment with a, with a bunch of guys who've luckily been able to, you know, celebrate going around the planet with all these other great artists we work with. And uh, then we fire it up in a very Canadian way. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully, you know, when people come out, like, and we don't overdo it, by the way, guys. Like, we, last time we were home was last November. So it's kind of, it works itself up. Like, Corey's been on tour with Shania, and we'll have been right up until, I don't know, two days before we, we start a whole run in November with Tuke. So Corey doesn't get any time off with Shania. He's, like, right off the plane into Tuke mode, and we, we're, we're back doing Tuke. But... Um, and that's why we don't play as much, because we're all busy in these other gigs. But so, yeah, we, we don't want to overdo it. So people have been waiting for a while now, and they're, we're coming back home. But, you know, it's, it's like once a year sounds perfect for us to come back to the peg. And it does sound picture perfect every time, every drum fill, every guitar solo, every note that you sing. It's spot on. It's outstanding music. Brent Fitz, thank you for this. We appreciate you, brother. Saturday, November 25th, 8 p.m., Club Region Event Center in Winnipeg. Tickets are on sale now. We'll catch up with you soon, Fitzy. Thanks again. We'll be there. Yeah, we'll be there soon. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Have a great morning. Brent Fitz joining us live on 680 CJOB from Las Vegas. He's coming home in November.